I don't like to miss out on things. I really don't like to miss out on things. It could be big things. It could be little things. I don't like to miss out on them. In fact, if I was going to rename this sermon, I would say, don't miss out. Don't miss out. A couple of examples. Laura and I were watching a movie on Friday night, and we were both really tired, but uh, we said, well, we're just going to stay up for, for this scene. And then it became this scene, and then this scene, and, and this scene. I didn't want to miss out on what was happening in the movie. Now, eventually, I did go to bed. She stayed up for the whole thing. But I didn't want to miss out. I stayed up longer than I intended to because I didn't want to miss out. Another example, um, Hellam. We live in Hellam, and they have a yard sale every year, a very big uh, yard sale. takes up the whole town, and people always tell us, uh, you want to check that out. You want to make sure you check out the Hellam yard sale. And every year we hear that, and every year we've missed it. I've missed out on the Hellam yard sale. I, I don't know how good it is. I don't know if it lives up to the expectations. I've missed out on it, which is probably good because I don't have room for much stuff. So, But uh, yesterday, Colson got to go to an egg hunt, and last year he was a little too little to appreciate it. This year, he was out there, he was getting eggs, he was picking them up, putting them in his basket, then dumping them back out, and we picked them up, and, and I didn't want to miss out on that. I didn't want to miss out on that. I don't like to miss out on things. It's not that I have to be involved in everything, but if there's an opportunity, I want to take advantage of it. I don't like to miss out. And I'm willing to bet you probably don't like to miss out on things either. We, We just don't like to miss out. Doesn't matter if it's an event or a party or, or a dinner or a meeting. Um, might be something we've read online that we're really glad we know or we hear it in the break room or a friend tells us. Um, the bigger the event, the bigger the potential miss out. And so we don't want to miss out. When I was at Penn State, there were various opportunities for presidents, either current or former, to come speak on campus. And the line stretched forever of people waiting to get through security and get into the building because people didn't want to miss out on that. They didn't want to miss out. If you're a sports fan and your favorite sports figure is coming to a town near you to sign autographs, you'll wait in line, you'll get up early, you'll drive. You don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to miss out. If you like Fixer Upper, you'll appreciate this next one. Uh, Waco, where the Magnolia Markets are, where the silos are, um, isn't that far from Dallas. And there were many times when my friends in Dallas would drive down to Waco because something was happening there that uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines were doing that they didn't want to miss out on. They didn't want to miss out. And even if you don't drive places, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter trying to keep up with everybody all the time just to make sure we don't miss out on what is happening. Even the little things, the things we grow accustomed to. I don't like missing out on my morning cup of coffee. Maybe you don't like missing out on those few minutes of your favorite morning talk show before you leave for work or or missing out on that favorite morning radio program on your drive to work. We don't like to miss out. Even at church, there are certain things we don't want to miss out on, certain things we've come to expect, and if they weren't there, uh, we would miss them. But what if by focusing so much on these things that we don't want to miss out on, we actually missed out on something bigger, something grander, something God was trying to do, something he was going to do in you, through you, or for you? 
Here's what I'm willing to bet. Whether you, you know God or you just kind of believe in him or you don't really believe in him, um, if he's real, and I certainly believe he is, I believe he's true, uh, but if what the Bible says about him is true and accurate, then you don't want to miss out on what God is doing in you, through you, or for you. If what the Bible says about God is true, if, if God is real, if what we hear about him is true, we don't want to miss out on what he's doing in you, through you, or for you. But that's exactly what we saw happen for one group on Palm Sunday. They missed out on what God was doing. You see, on that first Palm Sunday, Jesus presented himself as the Messiah King of Israel. And people missed it. So we read Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage, or Bethphage, as the Greek would read, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds were going ahead of him, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. A couple of things bothered me about that as I read that. A couple of things just didn't seem right, because I knew... I knew the story. I've grown up in church. I've heard, been through now 30 Palm Sundays. I've heard the story many times, and I was thinking about what can we focus on here, and I figured we'd just focus on this part that kind of bothered me, uh, because I knew about the donkey. I knew that was prophesied. I knew it was a sign of humility and royalty. I know back in the book of 1 Kings, we see kings riding in on donkeys because it showed it was a time of peace for the kingdom, rather than riding in on a war stallion. A king coming in on a donkey showed peace that he had control, that he was in charge. So Jesus on a donkey is very significant. And there are Palm Sunday sermons about that. And I knew the, knew the significance of him riding an unridden donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Because to ride an unridden donkey, that's, that's difficult. But then to ride an unridden donkey down the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley and then back up to Jerusalem... That's really something. And, and the fact that he rode a donkey, when all of the other times in, in, in the Gospels we see Jesus just walking. I knew he was doing something, something important there, but the part that perplexed me was the last two verses. The last two verses, it says, when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this? Oh, that's Jesus the prophet from, from Nazareth in Galilee. Not to be political, but let me give you an illustration of that. That's like um, you see uh, Donald Trump coming. Someone says, who is that? You're like, oh, that's Don from New York. That's Don from New York. 
No, we wouldn't say that. We'd say that's Donald Trump. That's the president of the United States. Something about this just didn't sit well. Why were they not recognizing and saying he's the Messiah King of Israel? What was going on here? Why didn't these people have a better response? Luke actually tells us they weren't expecting him. Now, of course, there were some groups. The disciples knew who he was. They knew what he was doing. There were other people who got it. They, they, they understood what was happening, but this particular group of people must have been significant enough for Matthew to include them in his gospel. They say, who is this? And the response is, well, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. In Luke, Jesus said, if you had known I was coming, if you had known this time, if you had known to recognize this, you would have accepted me as the Messiah, King of Israel. But instead, they missed it. They missed it. There was no marketing to prepare them for it. It was all based in the scriptures. There was no marketing saying, come see Jesus, the Messiah. He's riding on a donkey Sunday in Jerusalem. There was none of that. But these people, they missed it. They were too busy focused on something else. They didn't want to miss out on everything else that was going on around them. So Jesus went to Jerusalem for the same reason that thousands of other people were going to Jerusalem that day. They were preparing for the Passover. There was an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and it was normal in that time to recite the Hillel Psalms, Psalms like, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the son of David. It was normal. And so they had gone through these motions for years, awaiting the day when it would actually be true, and finally it happened and nobody noticed. They missed out. Like I said, other gospel writers remind us that some people knew, some people got it. But, but Matthew thought it was important to include this, that there were people who didn't know. It was just some other guy, a prophet from, from Nazareth. In children's time, they talked about a parade. And if we think about a parade, uh, one of the professors at Dallas Seminary teaching the Gospels class um, draws out the example of when you go to a parade, um, whether it's on a float, on a fire truck, whatever, people wave to the crowds. And everybody waves back at the people waving to them in the parade. And you could say to somebody next to you, who is that? And the answer is, I don't know. But everybody's waving, so I'm going to wave back. And so we see the crowd, they're, they're get, probably getting in the excitement, getting into the excitement of Jesus being there, and, and they recognize the words people are saying, so they get into it. But do they really understand who he is? You see, so much went into this day to make it different than all the other days, different than all the other um, pilgrimages to Jerusalem for the Passovers. In Zechariah 9.9, that's what's quoted there in verse 5, where it says, to expect somebody coming on a donkey. That was predicted. In fact, in the book of Daniel, they could have had a countdown clock down to the very day when Jesus was going to present himself to Jerusalem as Messiah. Daniel predicted it to the day. And instead, they got caught up in their euphoria and the habits and, and the ritual of the week, and their celebration would lead to crucifixion of the one they longed for. They missed out. They missed out. And what we find is habitual hosannas become crass calls for crucifixion. Habitual hosannas lead us down a path where we're keeping the habit, 
but we miss out on what God is doing. Too much focus on what they were doing meant too little focus on what God was doing. And Luke 19 tells us that Jesus actually wept over the fact that the city wasn't ready for him. He was presented as majestically as we imagine today. So even though we're focused on this, this group of people, as we think about it, and we picture Jesus riding on a donkey and people waving branches and laying down their coats and shouting Hosanna, that's probably the way it actually happened. We, we, we can see that. It was a really big deal, and Jesus orchestrated it beautifully. He said, go get a donkey. He said, we're going to do this on, on this day. This is the day I'm going to present myself to Jerusalem as their Messiah, King, their Savior. And that's really important because all through the Gospels, after Jesus would do a miracle or perform a healing, he would say, now, don't tell anyone. Now, don't tell anyone. And when crowds wanted to make him king right away, he would retreat, go off by himself because it wasn't time yet. He would say, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. And on this day, his time had come. This was the day. This was the time. And they missed it. And they missed it. It's both sad and comforting. It's sad because they missed out on what they'd been longing for, what they'd been waiting for for centuries and it's comforting because even though a, a, a large crowd missed it, it didn't stop Jesus from carrying out his plan. Because the fact is, Jesus is better than habitual hosannas. Jesus is better than habitual hosannas. He doesn't lose sight of God's grand plan. He doesn't lose sight of the people either. Even when he was hanging on that cross and people were gambling over his clothing, his response was to pray, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. In the midst of people who are missing out, Jesus doesn't miss out. His plan continues. He continues to do things and serve and live and die for us. And so we build up Palm Sunday. We look forward to it. We anticipate it. We do things like say Hosanna and sing songs that proclaim Messiah's coming and even things like an egg hunt just because we're excited about what it meant for our Messiah to be presented to the world, to the city on this day. We have the benefit of being on this side of that first Palm Sunday. We have the benefit of noticing what happened and knowing it was real and, and knowing how significant it was. But honestly, I know myself, and I think I know you, uh, well enough to say that if we were there on that Palm Sunday, we may have missed it too. We may have missed it too. Because I know I tend to, and you may tend to, get so caught up in the here and now, and the details and the things we don't want to miss out on, that we could very easily miss out on what God is doing in us, through us, and for us. The great truth of this is the people lost sight of Jesus, but Jesus never lost sight of them. The people lost sight of Jesus, but Jesus never lost sight of them. And if there's one thing you need to hang on to today, if there's one thing you need to remember, if there's one thing you don't want to miss out on, don't miss this. You may have lost sight of Jesus, but he has never lost sight of you. You may have lost sight of Jesus, but he's never lost sight of you. I don't know what your habitual hosannas look like. 
I don't know what your habits are. Your habit may be uh, coming to church every Sunday or hardly ever. Your habit may be reading your Bible every day or not even knowing where your Bible is. The important thing here isn't the habit. It's that we don't let those habits make us miss out on what God is doing. We don't let the fact that, that we've been saying Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna for years make us miss out on what God is doing here today. We need to learn from Jerusalem's mistake. Don't think that just because you've got a habit that sounds good, a habit like, well, I am in church every Sunday or, or, or I do pray to God or I do read my Bible. Don't let that habit uh, become so important that it replaces your relationship because we lose our relationship at the cost of, at the, for the price of religion a lot. They had habits in Jerusalem. They yelled Hosanna. They waved branches, but they weren't ready for Jesus to be their Messiah, their King, and their Savior that day. But today you can be. You can be ready. You can live with confidence that if you trust in Jesus as your Savior, this man who predicted his own death and resurrection and then actually did it, he followed through, if you trust him as your Savior, your Messiah, your King, you can know that he is doing something in you, through you, and for you. So remember, Jesus came even though people didn't recognize him. Jesus died for the very people who were killing him. And if you feel like you've missed out on what God's been doing in you, through you, and for you up till now, there's still a chance for you. There's still hope. You're not disqualified. You're a part of God's family if you accept Jesus Christ and, and you can say, Jesus, be my savior, and then plan to stop missing out on what he's doing. Stop missing out on what he's doing in you, through you, and for you. And so, if there are habits that you know have made you miss out on what Jesus is doing, whether they're habits that have grown out of really noble purposes or they're habits that have just developed over time, just because when we tend to do the same thing over and over and over, it becomes a habit, I would encourage you to write them down. Today, before you go to sleep, sometime between now and tonight, write down your habits. Write down the habits that get in the way of you recognizing what God is doing. Write down the habits, the things we do just because we've always done them so that you're aware of them. Or if it's hard to think of multiple ones, just think of one, write it down and put it somewhere where you'll see it. And as you look at it, uh, find ways that you can get around that. Find ways where that habit isn't going to keep you from seeing what God is doing. Make it so you won't miss out. In fact, this week in your life groups, talk about that. Start your life group meeting by saying, what's a habit that keeps me from seeing what God is actually doing? Here's one of mine. When I sit in a worship service, whether it be here or at another church, I tend to get distracted by the details. I get distracted by things that aren't right. I get distracted by things that don't go as planned. I get distracted by all these little things. And in the end, it means that my worship is not at all focused on God. It's focused on finding out what needs to be fixed for next week. That's a habit I need to break because if I'm focused on that, I'm not focused on what God is doing or what he could want to be doing in me, through me, or for me. 
So as a life group, talk about that. Admit it. Make others aware of it so they can help you. If you're not in a life group yet, uh, do it with your family, your circle of friends, whoever. Get somebody to help you with that. Because if you know what to watch for, maybe you won't miss out any longer. And if you know what your friends need to watch out for, maybe they won't miss out any longer. So what would happen if we did that? What would happen if we identified the habits that that get in the way of us seeing what God is doing, the things that get in the way of us knowing what God and, and, and through Jesus is trying to do in us, through us, and for us? What would happen? Imagine going the rest of your life never missing out on what Jesus is doing, never missing out on what Jesus is doing. What if we go out, get out from behind our habitual hosannas and really told people about Jesus? What if instead of uh, settling for our devotions or listening to our favorite preachers or what our church does or doesn't do and telling people about that, uh, what if you're really just focused on Jesus? What if instead of highlighting all the the niceties and the the neat things that Jesus did, saying, well, he was a a prophet from, from Nazareth in Galilee, what if we highlighted the fact that he's a Messiah, King, Savior? And I want to focus on that. I don't want to miss out on that fact. Because as my my Messiah, my King, my Savior, he's going to do things in me, through me, and for me that I do not want to miss out on. And what if, even if you're not missing out on something, what if we were bothered by the people who are? What if it troubled us that there were people missing out on what God's trying to do in this world? What if we told them, hey, don't miss out anymore. This is really good. You really need to know this. You really need to experience this in your own life. What if instead of being overly concerned with our habits, with doing what we've done year after year after year, we were overly concerned with him? What if we were so in tune with what he's doing in us, through us, and for us? that we never had to worry about missing out again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we celebrate Palm Sunday because of something incredibly significant that happened on that original day. The day when Jesus presented himself to Jerusalem, to Israel as, as the Messiah, the Savior, the King that they waited for. And while some people celebrated that and were just overjoyed that it was finally coming true, there was another part that missed out on it. We thank you for for your grace in the times when we miss out, when we get distracted by by life, by, by church, by habits, by whatever it may be. But help us shake those. Help us get rid of them so that we don't miss out on what you're doing and how you're moving in this world, in this church, and in our lives. Heavenly Father, help us resolve to be diligent, be careful that we don't miss out anymore. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.